0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome in on a Tuesday morning, a game day for the Utah Jazz. They're off yesterday. There were four games. Kind of went by the book, with one notable exception. Uh, In the East, Miami finished off the sweep of Indiana. I got to admit, when the series started, I, I didn't I thought Miami would win. I didn't think they'd sweep, but sure enough, they did ninety nine eighty seven. And Milwaukee, after that opening game, Bobble has now won three in a row. They beat Orlando one twenty one one oh six. They're up three one. The Lakers beat Portland one thirty five fifteen. So after that opening game stumble, the Lakers have now won three in a row. They're ready to close that out. The surprise was, in my mind, Oklahoma City beating Houston again. Beat them 117-114. Houston came out, hit eight straight threes. The game was tied at the half. They hit eight straight threes to open the third quarter, thinking, okay, they got this, and they went stone cold from three. And they did not attack the hoop. They kept shooting threes. They didn't go in. They were like 5 of 26 down the stretch. Ended up taking 58 three-pointers in a 48-minute game. And I think we can all do the math. That's more than one a minute. That's a lot of threes, and it doesn't get to the line. And Oklahoma City crushed them. Oklahoma City won that game at the free throw line. I don't I don't think there's any question about it. The uh, Rockets were a measly 9 of 10. I mean, they shot it well, but they didn't get to the line. James Harden usually shoots 10 free throws in a game. He only had five. And Oklahoma City... 22 of 28 at the line. So a 13 point advantage at the free throw line and a three point win. But if you're shooting threes, you're probably not going to the line. And the Thunder weren't as reliant on the threes. I mean, they shot a lot of threes uh, by, you know, uh, 2005 standards. But 11 of 32 from the three point line, that's nothing unusual. That's uh, not that good a percentage or not that many uh, total attempts. But it worked for the Thunder because. They went to the rack, and they got fouled, and they got to the line, and they won the game. So that series is 2-2. Everything else kind of kind of went as you might expect. Now, for the Jazz, they're getting ready for a closeout game. Can they finish the Nuggets off a fourth straight win, wrap the series up in Game 5, and then rest because there will be a Game 6 Thursday night with the Clippers and the Mavericks. And There may be a Game 7 uh, if they split these next two. They could be playing again Saturday. The Jazz... Could win on a Tuesday and not play until Saturday at the earliest, maybe Monday. Uh, it's intriguing for the Jazz to see if they can get this pulled off. Close the door on Denver, not, not let him back in the series. Time right now to hear from them as they get ready to go. Let's start with a few minutes with uh, Jordan Clarkson.
1: Hey, Jordan. Um, I've been noticing that you guys have had posters of Bogey up in the hotel. Um, and then you did that one, two, three chant for him. Um, just can you walk me through that and, and how that came to be?
2: Um, I mean, of course, everybody knows he's not here with us. Uh, but he's still, you know, with us in our minds and, you know, wish he was here and playing with us. And, you know, that bond that we have with him uh, definitely is is missed. Uh, so, you know, we're just keeping him in spirit, keeping him in our minds and, you know, know that he's watching us, and you know we're going out there trying to win games for him as well, knowing that he wants to be here on the court with us, competing and uh, trying to win. Right
3: now, we'll go to uh, Ryan McDonald, Deseret News.
1: Jordan, obviously, there's been uh, with with the Jacob Blake in in Wisconsin, and and what happened with that. How do you keep keep those conversations alive with with the platform that you guys have down in the bubble? Um, obviously, it's it's a another episode of that happening yesterday
2: right um just like you said keeping the conversation going uh i know you see seen multiple tweets multiple um things just going on people giving their feelings and um opinions and about what is going on uh with that situation i mean i haven't heard uh, much information that come from it but just seeing the video stuff like that makes you sick um i know growing up uh you know, as a kid, you know, you fear, uh, you know, police and stuff happening to you like that, where, um, you know, you are educated on, you know, how to, um, engage with police officers, um, and stuff like that as well. So, uh, it's definitely keeping this, this conversation going. Um, definitely, you know, that's, that's not the right way. I feel like to handle it. They got tweeted out today. I mean, it's three policemen, uh, there on the scene, um, where God can, you know, I wouldn't say easily be, you know, uh, you know, gathered or whatever, but, you know, I just don't feel like the first option is to kill somebody and shoot them. Uh, I don't think he's dead, but from what I heard, he's in critical condition. But um, in many cases, that ends, leads to deaths and uh, stuff like that. So I don't think the first option should be to shoot somebody or anything like that. Um, definitely taking somebody slide away from their family, their kids and stuff like that. So it's definitely something that a conversation that needs to be had and needs to keep kept going. We'll go, uh, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Jordan. I know, uh, it's
0: a small sample size, but Mike is shooting, you know, almost 70% from, from three point range. These, these last couple games that he's been back, um, What's made him so effective out there? I mean, obviously, you guys have had great faith in him all season long, but
2: what's made him, you know, take it up to this to this level in this series? Um, you know, he's just being aggressive, shooting the shots that, you know, he's, he's used to making. So uh, it's just him staying in that mind frame of, you know, I'm, I'm going to take these shots and I'm going to make them. So uh, I think at the same time with him being uh, in quarantine and shooting on that outside goal with the puddles and stuff, uh, it's helped his range a little bit more. You see him shooting a little bit uh, deeper ball. So um, definitely we might have to get a practice session outside on the, on the outside court. Next we'll go uh, Tony Jones, the athletic. Jordan, what does it mean to you to um, – I know you were on the
4: uh, the Cavaliers team that was on the finals, but for a lot of that run you were kind of at the edge of the rotation but not out of the rotation. What does it mean to you to be like really, really contributing – uh, in a playoff situation, in a playoff setting, I know you were on the Lakers for all those years where where they weren't really that great. Uh, so, what is what does this run mean to you, and and how do you you're playing individually?
2: Uh, I mean, it means a lot to me. Uh, just being a part of that, you know, like you said, I was in uh, with that Cleveland team with a lot of vets. Um, you know, it's my first time in the playoffs. We made that run to the finals. Um, a lot of learning for me to do. Not even you know ever being in the playoffs and that situation before. Um, but here, I think it's kind of grooming for this moment. Um, you know, trying to, you know, shed light with, uh, you know, Donovan in situations as well to help him as much as I can because, um, you know, I've been in series like this before um, and just being around and having that experience, just talking to him and talking with all the guys. I know Mike's been in uh, deep playoff series, deep playoff runs as well. Um, Joe and you know it's a deep team so um, but for me to have this impact uh, with this team has uh, been great it's a blessing and you know I'm just happy for the opportunity I'm trying to go out there and help us win every time I step on the floor.
3: Uh, Ryan Miller KSL.com
2: Hey Jordan was there any added significance of playing on Kobe's birthday and what did it kind of what, what did he help you to kind of what did he do to kind of
3: help you prepare for this moment?
2: Um well, shoot everything to be honest with you. You know, I got a, uh, some years being able to pick his brain, um, having him, you know, easy access, being able to text call, um, you know, in the summer times in the gym, working out, anything that I needed. Uh, you know, he was there for me. Um, definitely as a young player growing up in the league, you know, you he was your idol at once, like like me, guy that I love to watch play and Um, then he came a mentor and a friend Uh, It definitely means a lot, you know, definitely meant a lot yesterday playing on his birthday. Um, and just knowing that, you know, he's had so much impact on my career. Um, it's just, it's one of those feelings that, you know, it's kind of surreal and, um, still can't believe that, you know, he's gone and he's definitely missed uh, every day. So, um, you know, he's, he's, he's had a great impact on everyone around this world, from businessmen to, you know, reporters to anybody. So, um, I know he's done a great, great job. (laughs) All right, Jordan.
3: Last one will come from Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com.
5: Jordan, yesterday after the game, Quinn said that he didn't want Mike Conley calming you down too much. You were, you were playing with a lot of excitement late in the fourth quarter. What's Quinn's belief in you meant to you? And, And what's he
2: said about this game five and a closeout situation? Um, I mean, it's meant a lot to me, you know, for him to have my back you know, in a lot of situations. Uh, definitely in heated moments and stuff like that, I kind of got to, you know, catch myself. You know, I'm getting so caught up in the game. You know, these playoff series are very intense, a lot of emotion. Uh, Going, Getting involved in these games, uh, you know, more than ever, especially like you said, uh, me having, you know, a role on this, uh, on this run and on this team. So, um, you know, him having my back has uh, meant, meant the world to me. And he makes me want to go out there and just run through a wall for him and, you know, for my teammates. Um, and then what was the second part of the question? What, what's he said about uh, going into a closeout game? Um, I mean, to be honest with you, we, we sticking to the script, um, doing what we're doing. It's not a uh, just another game. Um, I think... You know, I've preached that to everybody through text message and our group messages that it's just another game. We just need to win. That's it. Um, do what we do. Uh, stick to our game plan. Um, make our adjustments throughout the game, and uh, just go out there
1: compete and you know finish it.
0: Jordan Clarkson meeting with the media, and Quinn Snyder answered some questions as well.
1: Before we get started, I just wanted to, to touch briefly in um, what happened in Wisconsin with Jacob Blake and. You know just to say i think you know to even talking with our team and you know at a loss um words just that uh how disheartening um what's happened is and you know also you know just again talking to our team how proud i am of our group and all the players down here and their attempts to address um these issues you know peacefully and productively um, whether it be with posts or various other ways that they're trying to, you know, to bring attention to this. And um, as I said, I'm at a loss, but I I think, you know, that it's important for us to to acknowledge this is going on and and hopefully figure out some way to address it and create some sort of lasting change. So I just wanted to begin with that. Thanks for that, Coach. Uh, We'll start with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Coach, uh, Jordan Clarkson, from day one as seamlessly fit into the system offensively. I want to get your thoughts on his defensive growth because last night, you know, that hustle play to help Rudy on the possession against Jokic forcing the jump ball just seems like he's really embracing that role as well. Yeah. I think sometimes when you, when you're able to score the way that JC is, um, that overshadows, um, you know, kind of other, other things that are important to you. Um, because scoring is is more visible, and you know it shows up in the box score and things like that. But he's been as committed, and um, he's made that you know the defensive end important, not just with effort, but um, trying to understand everything that that we're trying to do schematically. Um, you know, his focus, I think, there was and and really his effort that just it shows his commitment. There was a play a couple games ago where he literally you know ran from baseline all the way to the top of the key at the other end to just back tap a ball to save a possession and you can find those things um you know consistently in film and even the smallest things where he's you know shifted in a stance um and i think it's it's a little bit of a metaphor for who he is as a person um he's as selfless a guy he's had a huge impact on our team on our chemistry um on our connection is you know he's everybody likes jc and it's more than likes him i think people appreciate him and it's not often as a coach you get to coach a guy that's as authentic as he is and uh you know i love coaching him it's just it's been a lot of fun because he he's a sponge anything you tell him he's soaking it up and trying to do. And uh, that's a unique guy. And obviously, he's a unique player. And he cares about both ends of the floor. And he cares about winning more than anything. Next we'll go uh, Sarah Todd, Deseret News.
6: Quinn, what have the or have there been any conversations with that
4: uh, coaches committee for racial, racial justice? And if so, what have those conversations been like in Orlando? And, you know, as these incidents continue to happen, and now in the midst of the playoffs, how hard is it to kind of balance progressing those conversations?
1: Well, yeah, there's consistent conversations that have occurred, um, you know, around this time, I think, you know, the things that are happening on the court um, in various ways, you know, just trying to continue to bring attention to these issues. You know, obviously this is, you know, another incident, you um, that people you know across the country our players coaches are continuing to be confronted with and i think the the overarching goal in in whatever in whatever way it can happen um is to try to impact lasting change and um obviously you know i don't have answers to that on a fundamental level but I, i think there's you know continues to be a commitment and however that commitment and awareness manifests itself that's obviously something that needs to happen Next, we'll go Jeff Reinier, Fox 13. Yeah, Quinn, I, w- I was wondering about uh, these closeout games. Um, a
6: couple years ago, you guys beat Oklahoma City. Does it take something extra to win these closeout games, win that fourth game and advance in the playoffs?
1: Absolutely. You know, I think even, you know, our game last night, in many respects, felt like that, the intensity level. And, and it's it's visible, you know, tangible when you watch, you um, even from the bench, the, the level that that guys are rising to in these situations, the urgency with which they play with, um, just digging down even more. I think you saw that with both Donovan and Jamal Murray. That, that you know those two performances um, were really unique and befitting of the playoffs and the series. And um, we've got our hands full every night um, against Denver. Um, so again, you know, I think particularly in this situation. Um, you have to be as conscious of that as any and um, continue to try to do the things that you can do from a discipline standpoint uh, to make that effort worthwhile. And Coach, our last question is from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Thank you. Uh, Paul Millsap
0: was just speaking a few minutes ago and, and he mentioned that Mike Conley had a different energy and an aura about him these last couple games. Uh, I was just wondering what you've seen from Mike in terms of his on-court demeanor. And also, I know it's a small sample size, but he's shooting almost 70% from from three these last couple games. What's made him so effective on the court as well?
1: Well, I, I think um, this has been a process for Mike and for the group. And you're seeing you know, his comfort level within our team and within the way that we're playing and just finding um, how he can contribute, how he can attack. And finding that balance, you know, playing with it takes time to, to kind of find uh, a feel for the game when you're playing in new situations and with new people. And, you know, I, I know our whole team was was really happy that he was able to get home and be with his family with the birth of his son. And um, I know how important that was to him. Um, you know, whatever the correlation is with that um he's got a a clear mind and you know that that takes time to process maybe you know last week was you know metaphoric in some way that um you know basketball you know isn't the most important thing and i think for someone like mike that that cares um and cares you know extremely in an extreme way about his teammates that you know he's found some of that some of that balance and some of that comfort and in my mind that just allows him to be more instinctive he's he's an incredibly smart player Um, but like all of us if if you're overthinking something uh, it can be more difficult so i I think the clarity that he has about what we're doing you know what we want him to do what's expected of him from his teammates and from his coaches what he expects of himself um, there's clarity there for him and you know that allows him i think to to be the player that he is which is a guy that can play on the highest level and that's what we're seeing
0: All right, there's Quinn Snyder and Jordan Clarkson with the media when we come back Dan Feldman from NBC Sports with PK and I stay with us
1: take the
3: zone with you wherever you go let's go download the all new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show
0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz and Nuggets, Game 5 tonight. Dan Feldman talked with PK and I late in yesterday's show. We'll let you listen into their conversation, our conversation with him right now. Dan, good morning. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. Dan, you are stealing money watching Luka Doncic and Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell. Do you feel bad about that?
6: <laughs> no, not in the slightest it's a it's a blast to watch them. Um, uh you know I know where I'm talking Donovan mitchell especially is uh is the the cream of that young crop
5: yeah right now I mean there's so many young guys who are playing really really well we had Kenny Smith on the other day and he was talking about one of the reasons he thought these younger guys have advanced their games because he believes that in the case of Donovan Mitchell the layoff was akin to a summer break an off season so he looks at it like Donovan is now is in his fourth year uh, somebody like Doncic would be in his third year because they had that time during the quarantine and the shutdown to improve if not physically but certainly mentally probably a combination of both how much you'd buy, buy that the break actually advance their games uh, that strikes me as the uh the type of thing that people say to come up with a reason after the
6: fact, right? Like, I don't remember all these people saying beforehand, before seeing the results, you know, yeah, this break, like these players are all going to advance, like I'm sure of it. You see the results and you come up with a narrative after. You know, there are players in that age range uh, who aren't playing their best right now. That goes both ways. I do think in Donovan Mitchell's case specifically, I don't know how much it's the break, as maybe he would have been in a similar point anyway, but he has really advanced. From prior postseasons, his ability to read a defense, see what's going on, uh, get to all the way to the basket, or shoot a jumper or pass—like he is making the right play over and over—and uh, he's probably even better equipped to make that play once he diagnoses what the right thing to do is. Uh, but I think he might have been ready for this if the playoff started on time.
0: So, I've heard one theory. I've had this presented to me. I'm curious if you buy off on it. That the Jazz uh, lost games on purpose to match up with the Nuggets, knowing that the Nuggets defensively just aren't going to provide the challenge that Houston does when they're switching everything and that this is what the Jazz do to teams that play like this. It's not the first time they're on the verge of winning a playoff series. You know, they beat the Clippers and they beat the Thunder uh, two and three years ago. And if they run into Houston again or the Clippers in the next round, will it be any different?
6: Uh Yeah. you know, I think there might be something to that, but let's just start with this. I think the Rockets are better than the Nuggets. Like, we can talk about styles and mashups, but... The Rockets are just better, so I'd rather face the less good team in Denver. And that's especially true, both in terms of team quality and with the matchups, because uh, the Nuggets are without Gary Harris or without Will Barton losing those two wings. I mean, that's big. Everybody recognizes Gary Harris as a good defender. Will Barton was having a pretty good defensive season. Uh, and so to not have either of them, the Jazz just have too many playmakers, too many offensive weapons uh, for Denver to keep up with. Uh, Nikola Jokic, flawed defender, Jamal Murray flawed defender and it's just easier to get those two involved over and over when there's not Gary Harris or Will Barton to cover for them uh, and, and so there's something to that uh, but uh, you know, I think there would be problems uh, in the next round uh, assuming the Jazz get that far uh, because number one, you're going to run into a better team, it's not just the style, it's just a better team but yeah, I think you're on to something with the style too
5: How much concern do you have with the Clippers?
6: Uh, with Dallas or with a potential yeah. Jazz matchup? Uh, oh, with so, Dallas, I mean the the Mavericks look good. I mean, Luka Doncic is uh, is a star. Uh, he is great. He is ready for this moment. It's so weird because it seemed like he was overwhelmed when the series started. He had like five turnovers in the first few minutes. He is. Not overwhelmed anymore. It's incredible. Uh, the Mavericks have good depth, and the Clippers are struggling to to find something right now. Like you know, they, they've got players still working their way into shape. Uh, they've got players injured. They're not as deep as you know they were expected to be coming in. I still think the Clippers win that series, but they should have some concerns.
0: Why do you switch a smaller defender onto Luka Doncic at the end of the game? You had Kawhi Leonard on him for a half second there. Why not just stay on him? Honestly, if you double him in 3.7 seconds and they get an open shot, that almost feels like a better possibility.
6: I'm with you, and I'll go one more. Why is Reggie Jackson in the game? Why, why do you have him there? Like if you want to switch in that situation, if, you're, if you think you, know, you don't want to give an inch of space to anybody, okay, I get that. There might be something to that. But then why is Reggie Jackson in the game? That just opens up that possibility. Like, Reggie Jackson brings some things. Right? He can handle the ball. He can shoot some. Uh, he can be that lead guard. Those are all offensive things. Defensively, get, get somebody else in there.
5: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't understand it to uh, on that regard. It's hard to argue there uh, that it was justification. How much you think this shooting slump is in Paul George's mind? You know, it's funny, he put out that uh, Instagram post the other day saying, you know, I don't
6: care what my critics think, like, you know, uh, whatever, like, you know, you're so concerned about my shooting, I'm not concerned about you. Who puts out an Instagram post saying how not concerned you are about somebody else if you're not actually concerned about them? I do think, I don't know if it was in his mind to start, sometimes we overreact to small samples, hey, guy had an off-shooting night, whatever, but it seems to increasingly be on his mind. That something like he's thinking about. He said uh, last night, "Yeah, this would be a different series if my shot were, were falling." And you know, it does seem to be something he gets asked about a lot. Something he thinks about uh, that makes it harder, I think, to overcome it but he can contribute in other ways. He is right when he says, you know, he's not James Harden. He's not just a scorer. Uh, he's not a scorer on that level, even at his best. He needs to defend. He needs to do other things, and he's done some of those things at times. But no, when he's shooting like that, it makes it a lot harder for the Clippers.
0: So, curious whether shooting is easier for Mike Conley now that Bogdanovich isn't there. You don't have to share the ball. You don't have to get other guys involved. You're on the court. Donovan Mitchell is sitting down. If you got a shot, take it. How much does that make things easier?
6: Well, it can go uh, both ways. Like you said, not sharing the ball as much. But, you know, maybe you lose a little spacing without Bogdanovich out there if you have for example, Royce O'Neal out there and said one thing I really think that's working for Mike Conley besides, just you know, I think it's a hot streak, an unsustainable hot streak to some degree, but the other thing is you've seen his pick-and-roll chemistry with Rudy Gobert improve throughout the year. Uh, Mike Conley, a very good pick-and-roll player. Rudy Gobert, a very good pick-and-roll player. They just had to figure each other out where they like to be, when they like to, uh, you know, deliver the ball and how and all that. And you see it improve throughout the whole season, and now it's really peaking. That makes it tough on defenders. And And they are, you know, to some degree trying to make sure, hey, they're not going to get the lob to Rudy. Uh, And so that leaves space for Conley,
5: too. So we saw two guys score 50 in Mitchell and Murray. How much do you think of that is because there's no home and away, they're both in the same arena, that is leading to this individual scoring explosions? Oh, well, that's interesting. I hadn't uh, I hadn't thought about that
6: angle to it. Uh, that, that's interesting. There might be something to that. I mean, I think last night it was just Donovan Mitchell's in such complete command of the offense right now. He's making his shots. He, he feels good. He's exploding to the rim. He sees everything that's happening on the court uh, and reacts the right way. Uh, Jamal Murray also had a just very hot shooting game, and it's tough to keep up with. Uh, yeah, maybe there's something to that, that, that if it were a, a typical game, one of them might might have had 54 and the other one 47 maybe that moves them both toward the middle that's uh that's an interesting idea i you know as, again one of those things where yeah we come up with a narrative after the fact to explain what happened uh but it makes sense at least
0: dan veldman join us he covers the nba for nbc sports and pro basketball talk so you've seen i think 14 playoff games in the west now if i let you re-pick it who's coming out of the west now that you've seen these games
6: Oh, that's tough, Uh, because the favorites have not looked good. Uh, I've picked the Clippers beforehand, and uh, they have not looked great. Uh, The Lakers are the other popular pick, and uh, they've uh – kind of struggled through i think i'm sticking with the clippers though you know they do have that top end talent they can get healthier Uh, they can get in better shape from you know guys who are late to the bubbles i see that room for improvement i still think they have the upside uh and i still like the rockets as a wild card pick like i thought before like all the all the things they're doing are why i i thought they were dangerous and one more thing to the clippers like i think the mavericks were underrated uh they lost some close games that could have gone either way. I like their depth. I think that might matter more in the bubble uh, when teams don't have you know, their top players in the very best shape. I'm not sure if players will be capable of handling the huge minutes like they typically do in a postseason. So I, I think the Mavericks are pretty good. I, I don't panic as the Clippers uh, struggling somewhat in the series. Paul George does have to get right, but I think I'll still go with the Clippers. But I'm at the point now; I'm, I'm taking the field over any single team.
5: Okay, I I buy that the Mavericks were undervalued to an extent, but if I would have told you that they were playing without Porzingis, how much would you have bet on the Clippers winning that game?
6: Yeah, that's uh, that's the other thing. Is yes, uh, I mean he he was uh, so good in the previous game. Uh, you know, inside, outside, offensively, defensively, like a real complete game, that is a big loss. uh, But that's part of why I like the Mavericks depth. Uh, Not that I would expect them to win without Porzingis, but I just think, hey, they've got a little bit more of a chance than a typical team that's dealing with this kind of stuff.
0: So how much pressure do you think is on a guy who misses a game who's got to come back after that performance? you got to do your thing, but you got to fit in. And they won without you. Now you got to make sure they win with you.
6: Yeah, but he's an easy player to fit around because he shoots, he spaces the floor. Like, he makes it easy to fit in a lot of ways. And, look, he's got some experience doing it. He got ejected earlier in the series and then came back and, and had a, an excellent game. Uh, so, you know, he, he's done that before, uh, and I think he could do that again.
5: So, over in the East, I don't know that they're necessarily the best team, but I think the most intriguing storyline for me is Toronto because of Kawhi Leonard leaving and to see if they can still do it. How much do you buy them as a legitimate contender to get to the final? Yeah, I've got them
6: in that uh, second tier of, of championship contenders. You know, tier one would be Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, and then tier two, Rockets, Raptors, Celtics, uh, that might be. It. it seems like that though. In that range, uh, the Raptors are really good. They play hard. They're, they have a bunch of smart players, so they can do some complex things, especially defensively. Nick Nurse is a is an excellent coach. My biggest concern for them, though, is when you get into a tight game deep in the playoffs, late, the pace slows, you need somebody to go score. Last year, I was Kawhi. Like, he did that so well. There's nobody on this team I trust. Pascal Siakam is new to being a go-to player. Like, he's, he's taken great strides. He's looked very good at times, but he's still inefficient. Like He's still learning how to do it. Uh, Kyle Lowry hasn't really been built for those moments a lot of times. So, like He's got a great all-around game. Does does so many subtle things. It's not exactly what you want him to do. So There's not somebody I, I trust there, but either one of them can make the shot, Fred VanVleet can make the shot, like they got a chance.
0: Well, Dan, continue <laughs> to steal money watching these guys, because this is uh, wildly entertaining, and uh, some great individual performances, and just enough upsets to put all our all our preconceptions on edge right here. Who, who the heck knows? We all make our picks, but man, deep down, you can't know as you sit here this morning.
6: Yeah, no, I mean it's it's been fun. Like it's the NBA playoffs. It's uh, you know we spent all this time talking asterisk. Uh, the main argument against an asterisk is it feels normal, and that's fun.
0: Dan, appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. There's Dan Feldman from MDC Sports. When we come back, former BYU basketball coach Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider on the playoffs. Stay with us. Steve Cleveland joins us every week here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone with DJ and PK. Here's the former Cougar coach talking NBA playoffs. DJ and PK brought to you in part by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. Steve, good morning. Good morning. How fast is basketball morphing right in front of our eyes? The, strategy, the shots that used to be bad shots that are now good shots, guys' ability to make even those shots at an impressive rate, it seems like, it seems like everything's changing quickly.
4: Well, I, I think the game is changing. I mean, you start looking at the spacing of the game, and you, you go back 20, 25 years ago and everything went through the low post, and 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 it was inside out. And today in 2020, it's about high ball screens and, penetration and one, two, three, always the extra pass. And guys that have grown up culturally in this game to shoot the three. And it doesn't matter if they're 6'11 or they're six foot. Uh, certainly the, the game is changing right before our eyes, and we're seeing it in huge doses. I mean, I, I don't think we've ever watched so much basketball. <laughs> In, in so little of time. And so we're, we're getting exposed to the game in, in a way that we've never been exposed to where you can watch three or four or five games in one day. And to be honest with you, everybody's kind of playing the same way. Now, with different personnel and different results, but uh, watching, uh, watching that, the two Jazz games the last two days and watching them knock 32 threes down and spacing the floor and, and not being able to really focus on one guy. And I think that's the key to the Jazz right now, is that with uh, certainly Donovan Mitchell is doing incredible things, um, but Conley comes back to the bubble and goes off, and uh, and, and, and certainly Clarkson uh, is, is the third clock in that. You've got three guys that can bounce it and shoot it in space and space, and then a big, like, Gobert, and they're setting so many high ball screens, whether it's from the, the wing or the top of the key, really hard to guard. And as long as they keep making shots like that, they're going to be really, really tough to beat. Uh, and that being said, it was a heck of a game. I mean, Denver had opportunities. But they do it a little bit differently with Jokic. Jokings, but uh, at the end of the day, it was still Murray knocking down threes from everywhere. So it, it's fun to watch.
5: So, how much are you buying my theory as far as Conley goes that he's actually benefiting from the loss of Bogdanovich because it's taken any second guessing and any thinking out of it, and it's just Mike Conley playing ball because there's no need to overthink it. Just go out and play, Mike.
4: Well, I, I think there's some truth to that, to be honest with
5: you. I mean, I think they'd, if
4: they had the choice, they'd like to have Bogdanovich back, you know. Uh, but, but that being said, you have two really crafty and bounce it, creative guards. And and that's that's difficult to do. I mean, on most teams, you look at a team and you go, okay, they've got a couple of good shooters or they've got a real dominant inside player. But when you have three really good guards that can bounce it and pass it or unselfish and have really high basketball IQs, sometimes you can have too many guys. And, and I, I don't think we're getting the same play if Badanovich was playing. I don't know where those numbers would be skewed, but I, I know this right now that Bogdanovich is not a guy that is putting a ball on the floor and creating for the others the way Conley and Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson are. And so I think they've got the best jazz team that they could possibly put out, and that, that's crazy because what's happened is you're taking a 20-point guy, you know, game away, and you go, well, how can that be? But it's just opened the doors for other people. I mean, the other night going for 20. Uh, guy, you know, it's just you're more confident – when you know your role and what's expected rather than trying to, uh, you know, create things for other people or move the ball or you're thinking about others, where everybody kind of understands the role and when they're going to take shots. And I think that confidence, it was really evident in the last two games against Nuggets, but really confident when the game was on the line. And I think guys knowing their roles, understanding that, and which you give a lot of credit to a coaching staff, who identifies roles and identifies what good shots are, take those shots. Don't get down if you miss. Uh, so, yeah, you, you have a combination of uh, a group of guys right there that play so well together, and they're all very similar, and, and they can really attack. I mean, Clarkson and Donovan probably attack it more. Connolly's more of a perimeter guy. But Conley is, you know, I don't know his exact age, but he's been in the league for a long time. And he's not going to force things. <clears throat> so they have a maturity there. Even though you've got a uh, very young Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson and, and Conley have been around a long time. And uh, it's just a perfect combination for me. And, and that being said, I mean, it, 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 these games are going to the wire. So uh, it, you know, they've got to keep playing like this, but it's fun to watch.
0: So, you know, once a coach, always a coach. Is there a part of you watching a jazz game that sees Jordan Clarkson and you just start yelling at the TV, no, no, no? Good shot. Good shot.
4: <laughs> There's nobody that's coached long – you've coached a long time. You, you've you said that many times. And uh, I, I don't think right now that uh, that Jordan – I mean, he has so much confidence in himself. And coming off the bench, he provides a spark uh, – but, yeah, I mean, there are times that that happens. But when things are on a roll and guys have so much confidence, you could, you'd probably end up taking confidence from them. All of a sudden, guy starts thinking about a good shot and a bad shot. You know what? You usually let – and at least I did. I always – my best players, there were always going to be two or three shots where I'm going, hey, that wasn't a great shot. That, that wasn't going to necessarily be a game-time situation where I was going to share that. probably be a film situation. I just look them in the eye and say, hey, stay with it. Stay with it. Be positive. Because you, you can't start playing mind games with guys in the middle of a game and all of a sudden they're trying to identify what's a good shot and a bad shot. Now, if there's two or three and they don't go down, then you, know, then you call a timeout and you sub them in and you sit down. But right now they're making those, and if they're believing they can make those, uh, you don't want to take away that kind of confidence because there is a great deal of confidence in this basketball team right now.
5: Any way you can have a simple explanation for this incredible play of Mitchell?
4: oh goodness! uh you know i mean obviously he he's a talented young man, but he is he is young and when you consider uh two fifty point games uh it it just tells you that uh he's al- he's always had the skill and the talent and usually what stops guys from really uh achieving the you know that they getting to the highest level is uh having some weaknesses in their games offensively, and Donovan Mitchell does not have a lot of weaknesses. I mean, he's got so much confidence. And I think, I think the other thing, too, maybe, you know, they're playing in the same gym every day. <laughs> I mean, they're playing, I mean, they're this bubble games they're having these, they're very familiar with the surroundings. That does help. But as far as Donovan Mitchell is concerned, I think his mindset is so special. He's got so much confidence, and his teammates have confidence in him. It's not very often that a 21-year-old or 22, 23-year-old has an opportunity to be a leader on a team that, I think he's been. This is his third league year in the league, right? Yeah. So I mean, all of a sudden, he's he's not only become the go-to guy, but he's become a leader. He's become a spokesman, and all of that confidence, all of that mental part of the game, uh, has a lot to do with that kind of success. I mean, you you can't be doubting. And I think I think they have a locker room. I think everybody feels like they have a great locker room. And uh, I watch them interact on the floor. You know, I I would love to have. Uh, I'd love to hear the things that Joe Engel says to guys on the floor. They're just being close enough, because he's always in somebody's ear. He's always talking to them. I think his, I think Joe Engel's um, impact on this team is not appreciated probably as much because of the statistics, but I think there are a lot of things that he's – I see him in Donovan's ear all the time, and it may be real supportive things. It might just be strategy things. I don't know, but I think there's another guy, even though he's not putting numbers up, he's like a coach on the floor. So there's great chemistry on this team. And I think when you get going like this, uh, you know, you just, the basket looks as big as the ocean. And that's what it is for Donovan Mitchell right now. And to be honest with you, uh, it, that's the way it is with Carson and Conley. I mean, but you, again, they're not taking bad shots. They're not forcing, they're not taking a lot of into the shot clock contested shots. Most of their shots are feet ready coming off a system where Gobert is diving to the rim and they got to make one more pass. And, and when you put three really good shooters on the floor, it's really hard to guard when you've got a, a big man that can take it to the rim. So uh, they're getting good shots. They're running a good system. The ball's going through the hole. And uh, it, it just that, that kind of confidence breeds more confidence. And, uh, and, and I think it breeds more confidence with your teammates. They're, they're, really, they're very sharing the ball all the time. And it's easier to share the ball when guys are making baskets. And uh, so, those those are the things that I see in terms of why he would be having such a special special postseason. But I don't, I didn't expect him to have two fifty point games, but I did expect him to have games in you know twenty five to thirty points because he can create not just off the jumpers. He's so crafty. His his mid range jumper now, I mean, it's kind of Chris Paulish like, you know. I mean, he can get two steps into the free throw line, boom, it's money. And and that not a lot of guards have that shot. A lot of them are exclusively three point shooters. <clears throat> a lot of them are just exclusively mid range. Donovan Mitchell's created that now where he doesn't have to go in and force it against big guys. Once he gets space, and he gets space pretty easily because Donovan Mitchell's diving hard. Everybody gets you know, they get deep and he's always gonna have a fifteen footer and Chris Paul kind of did that has always done that really well. That's something I never saw Donovan Mitchell do.
0: So for all the superlatives that we can heap on Donovan Mitchell, do you have a couple more to heap on Luka Doncic? Oh, my goodness.
4: <clears throat> you know, I haven't watched him play as much, but, uh, yeah, that was special. And, that, you know, it, it, it's one of those things, I think probably growing up in Europe and playing in Europe and at a young age, uh, he, he's not fearful of anything. You know, I mean, he's a confident player. And you can see the confrontations he has with his own coach. You know, there's some immaturity there that uh, he pouts. And, you know, he, 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 there's times when, you know, he just wants to be on the floor. He has that much confidence in himself. And, he, and the thing is, I mean, you, you don't see a lot of guys. I don't know. Is he 6'9"? Is he I'm not sure how t- exactly he,
0: tall he is. He's listed at 6'7", 230 for what that's worth. Okay.
4: So w- the, w- the thing about it is he just creates space. And when you shoot the ball as high as he does, it's really hard to contest. And he creates good space. He's got just amazing ball-handling skills. He's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not the guy, I mean, you can't sit there and watch him and not think a little bit about Larry Bird, right? I mean, that, that's what he did. He created space. And uh, so to watch him play the game in a really pure sense, uh, it's special. And, uh, and I, you know, I mean, that was a gutsy, gutsy win. I mean, I, and I, I, I know the, the Clippers are struggling, and Paul, you know, Paul George is struggling, and not having Patrick Beverly, But at the end of the day, this Mavericks team, uh, they you you can't underestimate them. And I, I mean, Curry, uh, he, he's got a little, you know, his brothers had the 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 limelight his whole life, but he makes big baskets. Hardaway's been making big baskets, so it's not, you know, they just can't focus on on Doncic. That's the thing, too. I mean, in in past. When these guys, other guys, aren't scoring, you can throw two guys at him. He's hard to guard one-on-one. He can create space. He's big. He's strong. He can take you inside. And you're not going to block a shot. And uh, so, yeah, I, I love watching him play. That, that's, that's a really special thing. And the Mavs are making this exciting. I hope that thing goes seven games. It, it's fun to watch.
5: So, for Doc Rivers, you got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George out on the floor, and neither of those guys are defending against Doncic at the end. you got Reggie Jackson. I think I'd rather have the other Reggie Jackson rather than this Reggie Jackson on Doncic in that situation. How do you explain not having either Paul George or Kawhi Leonard on Doncic? Well, it surprised me, to be honest with you. And uh, I, I think
4: that, uh, you know, in fact, I, I thought – forgetting while I watched the game that it looked like Patrick Beverly, but he wasn't even playing, you know, I thought, okay, maybe they get Beverly, but even Beverly, you know, you shoot over the top of him. So, and you know how to come, coming out of a timeout that there's going to be a ball screen set. I mean, that's pretty obvious. And, and so, you know, it's it's one of those things that Paul and, and they, they both, Paul and Twice should have been, been involved in that play. So, yeah, that was really suspect. I mean, he, they got to be looking at scratching their heads and going, well, why'd we do that? And take a small guard. I mean, you, you'd been better off uh, putting uh, putting him on a post player and, and just bringing Paul and bringing Kawhi up. So, yeah, I think everybody asked themselves that question. At least contest it. And, you know, Kawhi, both Paul and Kawhi are so long and good defense. And Kawhi is a really, really, he really contests and he can get up and elevate and get them out of their comfort zone. So, Yeah, I think they're going to watch the film and go, wow, we made a mistake there, and and it cost them the game. I mean, he still had to make an incredible shot. It wasn't like it wasn't contested, but he was contesting it over a smaller player uh, that really didn't disturb his shot in the least. So, yeah, that's something they'll have to look back and watch and go, hey, into game situations, into shot clock situations, let's get one of those two guys on him. Or even Harrell. I mean, anyone. Any one of the three that had size and length. But... uh, you know, they they needed the three, so you knew that's what they were going to take.
0: Uh, as far as your point about uh, Joe Ingles, I don't know uh, if you saw this, but after the game, Donovan Mitchell sitting in his interview room, and Joe knocked on uh-huh. the door, and then in his most naive tone of voice said, "Donovan, you're really good at basketball." <laughs> and, as, and that was funny, but I thought the best part was Donovan's reaction. Like He didn't crack up. It was, nothing. It was just like, Joe must do this kind of stuff all the time. Because he just went, thanks, Joe. And then he just turned back to the camera. Didn't even, you know, other people are laughing and falling over themselves. And he just, he just rolls with it. Because Joe must be like that all the time, and we just don't see it.
4: I'm sure. And I don't know Joe personally, and I've just watched him from afar. But I do know that he knows the game. And he's like having another coach on the floor. And sometimes, you know, I watch those games and think, man, he's got, you know, he's, he's he hasn't shot the ball great, you know. But they're chemistry guys, and I, and I can remember teams where I started a guy or played a guy, and and my, even my players, and oftentimes the assistant coaches look at me and "What, what in the heck are you thinking here?" And I'm saying, oh, "Well, we're we're better when this guy's on the floor with this group." And at that, you know, and it's not for every situation and every circumstance. But I believe that the the chemistry piece on a team, the leadership piece on a team, it's not easy to be a leader and the leading scorer all the time. You know, there's a very few Michael Jordans and Larry Bird's. and I mean, there are very few of those people. And Donovan's still a young guy. And and, and, and Joe can take the responsibility of of leadership, and certainly so can Conley. And, you know, he's a guy that's been in the league a long time, but he's still kind of new to the team. Joe's been there from the get-go. And so I, I do believe that the, uh, the chemistry issues, the cultural things that they do that Joe does to increase confidence and to make the extra pass and to say the right thing and talk to a guy at a free throw line, all of those things, that's like having a coach on the floor. So you don't always have your five most talented guys on the team. Oftentimes, and, and let's face it, I mean, there's nice Joe Ingles will score 15 or 18 points, but he understands the system. He has a, a sense of humor. And I'm telling you right now, having a sense of humor in any vocation, but in, in this college game, uh, it, it relaxes people. And you can get guys to relax and not be stressed and overthinking things. And I don't have any idea of the things that Joe's been saying, but I've played, enough, I've played on enough teams with enough coaches and, and coached enough teams that guys like Joe Ingles are invaluable. And it may not be always to make a basket. It may just be his maturity and his presence, his sense of humor, uh, his ability to relax guys and get them not to be stressed and feel pressured. All of the bug. And, uh, and it's not going to happen necessarily in every game or all of those things. But I think uh, he's an extension. Joe's an extension of that coaching staff. I, I do, I've watched enough jazz games to see him in the ear of a lot of guys. And I don't think he's berating him. I don't think he's getting into him, telling him, you know, that was a bad shot. Though he may he may do that at times, but I think he's he's lifting his team uh, in, in a way that only a, a guy that's been in the league a long time and has his character traits.
0: Steve, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome, guys. Have a great week. There's our basketball
5: insider, Steve Cleveland. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.